episode 31, Dust Devil. All right, Chuck, here we go. Episode 31, we're putting the pedal to the metal here, revving this episode up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're crossing the ocean on this one, Dale. That's exactly right. Taking our speedboat to the to the, the southern areas of Africa. We are talking about this week Richard Stanley's Dust Devil from 1992. Some call it a hidden gem. Yeah. It's been buried under the sand for years. Bottom of the episode at in the mid... I, I want to say the bottom of the hour because that's what Slim says, but it's yeah. really it's really good to say, frankly. Yeah. Uh, so, I, Slim, I love you. Uh, at the bottom <laughs> of the episode, the, at the bottom of the hour, Dust Devil by Richard Stanley. Mm-hmm. And before that, I mean, I, 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 what do we even talk about, Chuck? I I'm I'm so. Like the the I can tell you that the hairs on my neck and back are are standing on end because I went today and picked up my new glasses. Oh, I got my new glasses. Uh, first pair of new glasses in like eight years. I have ne- wow. I haven't treated myself. I've just been wearing this uh, my old glasses that were grayish black new, but they were mostly like white mm-hmm. and ashed over yeah. um, because of. You know, it can only take so many years of just like face chemical erosion before it starts to eat and eat away at it. And and just mere hours into wearing these new glasses. And I take if I take them off and I look at like the top of the crystal clear lenses where they've like touched where my eyebrows are. Yeah. Or I looked at the arms where they touch my temples. And I just want to tell like the the beautiful people out there that's not that easy for everybody, okay? Because even at forty years old, you think um uh, you you would think that a human does not produce the same amount of grease as they did in high school. <laughs> or the acne is better. Well guess what? Guess it's the what? same. Guess what, kids? So here's, I'm putting all you people out there on notice who just think you're just ravishing Rick Rudes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's not that easy for everybody. When I sit there and I stare at the smeared grease all over my new lenses and my glasses, I could, I could start punching this, my desk in half. I would punch it in half right now if I could. My my hands are getting sweaty just thinking (laughs) about... I'm going to go to Costco and get you like a whole box of uh, those little wipes so you can put them, put, put, put one on the toilet, the back of the tank, you know, put one on your desk, put one in the car on the console everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you can keep those puppers, just keep the, you know, you got to keep the oil at bay. Yeah. No, you're, yeah. Keep the oil at bay, right? <laughs> my, my autobiography, keep the oil at bay. If right. I can be, if I can be totally frank, though, you look, you look great. Love those new, new, new frames you got there. Oh, thank you. That's like, I mean, because I'm, I don't wear glasses, but that is something like, you know, that just occurred to me. It's like, you know, you had your glasses for eight years, and that's like your look, and then all of a sudden, you're like faced with, oh, I gotta pick a new frame that, you know, it's almost like picking a new face in a sense, and that you're gonna have mm-hmm. for the next years and year, you know, five mm-hmm. years or whatever. That's pretty intense, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you're probably used it, to it, but. No, uh, no, especially no. for glasses, ha- having the same pair for like eight years. Uh, you know, it took, it was such a big jump to, to get those glasses. 
Yeah. And then to get new glasses that are totally different shape than my old glasses, I just want I just want to hide. You know, I hate looking at myself in a mirror. I hate looking at selfies of me Join the club. or pictures of me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me to actually embrace something new yeah. and and like dodge any sort of judgment mm-hmm. is very hard. And yeah. then I and then you know these new glasses are like more round. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as like thin. So I see when I look into the mirror with these new glass, these crystal clear lenses on, I can see like my uh, my raccoon eyes, my dark circles <laughs> around that were normally hidden by thick plastic frames. Like I can't. I'm taking them back tomorrow, Chuck. We've no. talked about it, and you've convinced me. It's no, 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 no. I didn't. I did nothing of the sort. But, but doesn't it also having larger lenses? Doesn't that let you see more stuff? Aren't you? Isn't isn't your sort of like aspect ratio of what you're seeing? You know, like in your it does. world, is it is yeah. it bigger? Sort of. It's bigger. Yeah, it's more. I more of more field of view. Yeah. Top to bottom, left to right. I do. Yes. I would seem that would. I I would think that would be like a pretty cool thing like a cool upgrade yeah maybe we'll see when you know when when somebody outside of this house sees me and, and they just see like dark circles that i've had since i was 14 years old and i've never gotten rid of even if yeah. even if uh my mom was buying avon cream for me to like <laughs> like just add to the pile of things that i'm paranoid about oh dale i love you i love you and our listeners love you um, but, uh, <laughs> speaking of new things in our lives, I spent the day installing a screen door on our, uh, our side door that, uh, goes into the kitchen. Um, I gotta say, I've, I've never been more proud of uh, a project. You did it. I put that thing in, followed all the directions, was using my drill. Yeah. I was screwing in screws. <laughs> Dude. I, we took the old one off. Probably in the spring. Um, oh, okay. But we just we're we're just painting. Uh, Melissa's painting like the all the uh, trimming everywhere because all the, all the paint was chipping off. So we were doing mm-hmm. that. And I, I was sort of waiting for that that to be painted, freshly painted, so I could put this uh, new door in. Um, so yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was freshly painted and ready to go. Dude. And, uh, yeah, it it went well. It, the whole I remember I bought this door months ago, and it's been sitting in the dining room. <laughs> yeah, oh like yeah, a permanent member of the family, so it's very strange to have it out of the dining room. But man, measuring—I had to do so much research to just to measure the frame, and then go to Home Depot and not freak out and talk yeah. to a man who helped right. me by the right size because i'm i must have measured it like 10 times like and i got it wrong mm-hmm. nine times like <laughs> measured the wrong thing don't know yeah. what i'm supposed to be measuring you know until you find the right web page on google <laughs> with someone who just explains it in a way that makes sense to your particular brain <laughs> so i was i was very like it was like it was a weight off my shoulders that it the door fit in the uh, the hole <laughs> Right, especially after it, like being that albatross in the dining room mm-hmm. for so long. Oh yeah, because you had oh, yeah. to. Because you're the one that picked it out. You're the one that made the decision on that's the one you're buying. Yeah, Chuck, huge congratulations, Thank my you. friend. Wow, that's amazing. That's an amazing feeling. 
It's awesome. Uh, wow. The only bad thing is my cat, Bruce, he is, I don't know what's gotten it. I think we, we've been having a very warm week. Um, it's been in like the 60s and 70s, which, yeah. you know, it, it had already dipped into like the 30s around here. Um, so it's, we're sort of like doing a lot of outside work, but but boy, Bruce, the other night, he he ran out of the, out of the door and got outside. And he's an inside uh, boy. But he, yeah. you know, you know how when cats do that, when they, they get out and they get a taste? And now he is obsessed. Now he, he just stares at that door now, and he looks at me and he meows. He's like, "I want to go out there." He son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Let me out there." There's freedom out there. Think of all the mice out there. Why am I stuck Man. in here with you, idiots? That's the worst when they get a taste. And I feel bad. I feel like a zookeeper. Yeah, you know, I feel like the lion right. tamer, just a criminal. Right, and Bruce is, you know, that's his natural habitat, and in some instinctual way. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's that's what my mom would always 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 give in to any cat's desire that we would have because mm. we lived out in the country for um my mom still lives out there, but yeah. I mean, you let a cat out and not, you know, for most of the time the cat's fine until the one at yeah. one time the cat doesn't come home and yeah. it's because something out in the country a hawk, you know, uh yeah. whatever else. We got coyotes around here. That's mm-hmm. that's like the main reason I don't want them going out there, you know? Yeah. Coyotes. But yeah. But those birds, Sorry, man. Those birds. People don't know. A bird will pick up a cat. They'll, they'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. It's wild out there. Anyway, do you watch any uh, movies lately, Dale? Mm. Before we get into Dust Devil. Kind of decompressing after my uh, Halloween push for movie watching. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get back into it. Just taking a break because now I don't know if I might just continue watching crappy, scary movies because I just don't know what else to watch right now. uh, (laughs) I know. That's why I'm just watching some TV. So Totally. I feel like I like... I got a lot of movies on my watch list for from October and it's like, you know, I could just keep going. Um, even though yeah. the uh, the Halloween mood is sort of moved on, but that's the beautiful thing we have Bat and Spider to always keep our uh, toes dipped in the uh, in that universe. So speaking of that, I watched a movie that I've had on my list since it came out in 1994, and I just never saw it. A little movie called Brain Scan. Do you remember this, Dale? Brain Scan. Yeah, I remember this movie, and it's written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who is. Most famous for writing the movie Seven. Another central PA connection. Andrew Kevin Walker. I always felt a kinship with him because he went to the same high school I did. Not at the oh, same cool. time. But yeah. he's from Mechanicsburg. Um, and my favorite part, part of watching Brain Scan is that Eddie Furlong starts to say his phone number out loud. And he he says 717, which is the uh, Mechanicsburg zip code. And uh, uh, I was like, I see you, Andrew Kevin Walker. Thank you. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Um, Brain Scan is not a great movie. It's like a, it's a movie. It's like this is '94, and it's about a kid who starts playing this video game that he gets sucked into, and he, like, the video game is so real, and he's playing a killer, and he's like, you know, stalking someone in their house and killing them. Yeah. But then he comes out of the game, and then, you know, you'll see on the news or whatever, like one of his neighbors was just killed, and he's like, oh my god, I just did that. How did I just do that to the game? It's it's kind of a cool idea, but it's just not it's not great. And there's this villain called the Trickster, who is like the villain in the game. Who he just looks so dumb. It's the dumbest looking guy I've ever seen. Uh, 
<laughs> and also every, uh, I don't know if Aerosmith's record company, I don't know if Geffen Records sponsored this movie because every kid's wall, every wall in this movie had a yeah. Aerosmith get a grip poster on it. Oh my God. That's amazing. And it, and they weren't like, they weren't like, oh, Eddie Furlong. Of course he listens to, you know, Aerosmith. That makes sense. It was like every kid, like even like his love interest, the girl who lives next door, like she had a get a grip poster on her wall. Holy crap. It was, they were everywhere. It was insane. I need to know more about this. <laughs> I want to know the background of, of how they had so much Aerosmith paraphernalia. Yeah. There were other there were other bands posters and stuff like there was a Red Hot Chili Peppers something I saw on a replacements poster but there was a lot of Aerosmith represented in this oh um, baby and yeah I that was my Get a Grip was my Aerosmith album like my dalliance with Aerosmith like I was mm-hmm. probably like ten or eleven years old was Get a Grip the uh, with the cow waters on the cover with the uh, oh. the pierced udder. <laughs> And the man's nipples on the actual compact disc. Oh itself. my god, that scandalized me. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was actually it was mine too. I, that was the first CD I ever owned. I got it for Christmas. Yeah. So that was the first one I opened. That and uh, Meatloaf's "Bad Out of Hell" too. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. Were my first two. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, "Get a Grip" was like my first official Aerosmith, and then you know I I continue. Um, shout out to Jonesy Loves Beer for my Aerosmith mm. bud. Um, mm. we, I continue to have a love affair with Aerosmith, you know, pre 2000. Yeah. It, it was funny. My, I have two older brothers and we each like, it was like three Aerosmith albums in a row. row. We, we went in, we, we all three went through separate Aerosmith phases. Like <laughs> that's funny. Like Zach had a uh, permanent vacation and then Toby had a uh, pump. Yeah, and then I had the next one get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And then they try to like uh, get you to listen to their, you know, their yeah. one album, and you're just like, eh, yeah. it's not the same. It's not the it's same not, thing. No, this is no. Sorry, <laughs> right. not get a grip. I like the Aerosmith of three years later. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I would listen to get a grip constantly while playing Legend of Zelda on Game Boy Link's Awakening. I think. Oh wow, man! That like. I have a couple CDs that are synonymous with Link's Awakening because I would just play it a lot. And Get a Grip also had, man, they must have had a great manager because they also, all those videos were the ones that had like Alicia Silverstone in it, right? Mm-hmm. And that was yep. like a whole other thing. And didn't the they trilogy. like all connect? Like it was like several videos, like all the singles, like the, she was in like all the videos or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. God, what a time. What a time. Jesus. And yeah. they got all their posters on on every wall in the movie Brain Scan. <laughs> to, yeah, God. let's not let's not forget the point of why it was brought up to begin with. That I yeah. would love to know more about that. That's a that's amazing. <laughs> Wonder if that's like early, you know, promotional. Yeah, like Geffen Records paid to get their movie to get their yeah. poster on the wall or something. Maybe. That's sick. There was a lot of also a lot of Fangoria references. Like he's like, oh, wow. like it's integral to the plot like him and his best friend they both read fangoria and they they find the video game through an ad in the back of it um yeah so well yeah i don't know i don't know i know fango was involved with some movies back in the day but i don't know if this was one of them before we move on andrew kevin walker a crypt keeper related wrote one episode of both tales from the crypt and perversions of science oh no kidding wow i look forward to that all right, Dale, should we get into Dust Devils? Yeah, Dust Devils, directed by Richard Stanley Chuck, 
The Dust Devil. Back in the first times, in the time of the red light, the desert wind, Suopwa, was a man like us, until by mischance he grew wings and flew like a bird. Is a being caught in the physical realm that must feed on lonely souls in hopes that it will collect enough of them so that it can be released back into the spirit world. Set in a post-collapse Namibia, the Dust Devil focuses on a woman running from her husband and searching for meaning in her life. All the while, what is left of the crumbling local police department is also tracking the dust devil and following his wake of dead bodies. He became a hunter, and like a hawk, He flew to seek his prey, taking refuge in those far corners of the world where magic still lingers in the earth. But having once been a man, so does he still suffer the passions of a man. The people of the great Namib, me and my ancestors before me, we have another name for those violent winds that blow from nowhere. We call them dust devils. get into it dale richard stanley's dust devil wow what a ride what a ride what a ride let's start off let's dale what were you expecting and what did you get did did you get what you're expecting out of this that's that's a great question what was i expecting i i kept myself in the dark i did not hit the wikipedia page before this i just went on the the you know the one or two sentence premise on letterboxd and i was pretty well open to whatever um and what i got was i was honestly not expecting as much depiction of of horror but also um after seeing what i saw i was really really pleasantly surprised on um a lot of things the horror wasn't the horror and depictions of horror wasn't completely out of place it wasn't gory at all um the you know the scenes of horror fit sort of this dust devil character yeah um it it wasn't like overly gory just to be overly gory the cinematography and the picture and just namibia as a character in the movie was just like i was beholden to this oppressive 
dust and brown and desert and civilization that exists yeah in this hell totally agree i i think i was the same i didn't really know anything about this i think i had an assumption that it was in a desert and something like that uh <laughs> and i i have seen richard stanley's hardware which didn't wow me um and i feel kind of bad about that because i know a lot of people love hardware Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's an amazing achievement as a movie, but this one, this one hit much harder for me. This one was like, really, I was like, oh, okay, this is like, I understand why people talk about Richard Stanley in the way that they do. And he's sort of, you know, he's yeah. got this legend cause he stepped away from movies or he was forced out, whatever the story is. Yeah. Um, and he hadn't made one until just this past, this year or last year, he uh, made that color out of space movie. Um, but yeah, this movie kind of caught me off guard at first, you know, and it slowly crept up on me. At first, I was like, oh, this looks kind of, you know, I a, a lot of it was the fault of the the version I watched, maybe DVD quality, um, 420 lines <laughs> on that screen, <laughs> on my 4K, 4K screen wasn't doing it any favors. <laughs> I mean, I, it faded away after a while because the movie is so visually amazing. The thing that blew me away, it, you know, it's like, and I, I guess I got this from hardware too, but like you watch this movie and you, you can tell that Richard Stanley is a guy who I feel like he can, he sees everything in his head and he knows exactly how each shot is going to be set up and what he wants, you know, how he wants everything moving and what he wants in the background. Like he, it, it's, it felt, you could, you could, it felt like there was a confidence behind the camera and behind every shot. Um mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I'm here for this. Like I'm, <laughs> I want to watch. Yeah. I, I really want to watch every scene and pay attention. Cause it, it's, it's, you know, he wasn't just winging that he, he like, he had a, 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 it felt like he had an exact plan in his head of, of how this movie should look, how everything should feel. Um, and, and yeah, and it's a dusty ass movie, Dale. It, it like, you feel just everything is red and brown and yeah sand and dust blown around and it's everything's dry (laughs) i mean as i was watching it i kept like rubbing my teeth together because i could feel like the granules of sand in my mouth like how can it not it's every how can it not be everywhere just looking at the movie and looking at the lives of the people who you know um just live in this remote land but they're there to do whatever jobs they have they but they all frequent you know the local crap bar because it's the only building still standing in their town or in bethany um for example but i mean they're just there's got to be just sand from the wind everywhere it's just they're they drag it into the floor of their houses into their stores and you know everything is just sandblasted and beaten and their vehicles are just crap and everything is like suffering because of the sun and everything else it's also really smart because it's you know it's like uh, that old chestnut it's it's a post-apocalyptic world that we're living in in this movie um but they use a real life place you know they shot in Nib- namibia it's it's really like this um and so I, lo- yeah. I love that i love that you know it's like it's like you know he had like two million pounds to make this movie but you know there's no cgi to make like a big dry world he just like <laughs> Went to the the yeah. country right next to South Africa that's big and dry. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, and like the best, the bet, my favorite part of of sort of like their like simple world building was when they keep talking about 
through like the first two thirds of the movie of driving to the coast to get to the ocean. And when they finally get there, you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be great because you're used to all this dryness. And you're like, oh, oh, okay, this is going to be an amazing shot. They're, you know, they're at the ocean. And then they pan up as, as the main character is like looking out. They pan up and it's just a huge, it's like a Grand Canyon. Like it's just a huge dry canyon. And there's maybe a little bit of water like miles down. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, holy shit, wait, that's the ocean? That's supposed to be like the Atlantic Ocean? Oh, my fucking God. Right. Like, this world is really, it's way more fucked than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. And that totally. was like such a cool like thing, little trick they pulled without having to use any effects, just like go to a canyon <laughs> yeah. and say that's the ocean. Oh my God, I loved it. And, and but especially after so much time is spent, whether in a car or, or walking dehydratedly through the desert that's just flat land it's just flat yeah. brown dirt there's no plants it's flat as far as the eye can see it's flat so when they get to this gorge like the you know the main character um she's elated by the yeah. fact that there's just something to look at other than power lines and and horizon yeah that was really cool see. Because like like the viewer is shocked that that's supposed to be the ocean, but yeah. in her mind it's probably like, oh, this is a beautiful fucking canyon. <laughs> yeah, like a, give uh, me anything. Yeah. yeah, this is like amazing to look at. So the the actual Dust Devils played by Robert Burke, who uh, I always liken him uh, or not like I always think of him as the uh, the replacement RoboCop because he played. Uh, um murphy and robocop 3 <laughs> and i always right. think about him suffering because he 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 like said on the that they didn't make him a new robocop suit when he got the job so it didn't fit him so it was really <laughs> painful to wear <laughs> oh man i love that you remember that wow yeah. and he's been in like he's been in like i think he's been in some law and order svu uh as a, like a recurring character and stuff but um, yeah, but yeah, he's so young in this. I almost didn't recognize him for the first half. And then I was like, Oh wait, is that that guy? We've got Chelsea field. She plays Wendy. She's, uh, sort of our main non-killer character. Mm-hmm. She was really great in this. Um, I really loved her. Yeah. And I, I, I looked at her, her like resume. The only thing that stood out to me was that she was in masters of the universe, the He-Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a favorite of mine as a kid. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember her. That. That's funny. The only other guy I knew was William Hootkinsdale. Did you spot him? He's Porkins in Star Wars. Uh, he flies an X-Wing. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I thought he looked familiar. And he's uh, he's uh, he also plays a cop in Batman 89. He's, Ec- he's Eckhart. Of all the actors in the world, he got William Hootkins to come over to Africa. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> A great cast, and I loved, I loved the mythology. Um, I was completely enamored with the execution of you know this dust devil and his quest to be free or yeah. or whatever he was trying to you know gain access to uh, you know to exit this human body. But the uh, I really loved that this um, it really felt like a real African sort of um, myth. Yeah. And they were playing with African mythology and and um, indigenous mythology that was indigenous to Africa, um, in, in a way that felt real. 
you know, yeah. and it just, it, they kind of like folded that, that into the story of the horror and the dust devil. And, um, I really liked that. And, and the, uh, the inclusion of like that shaman type character to oh, kind of, great. um, it to kind of like audibly walk us and the audience through was like super reassuring to have, um, yeah. for him to be there. Yeah, he was great. His whole thing was like, um, there's there's the uh, there's one police detective who we kind of follow through on his investigation, and he's, but he's like, as the uh, the shaman says, he's been living in like the white wor- white white man's uh, world too long, so he doesn't like believe in any of this stuff. Um, so the shaman's mm-hmm. like, he's like trying to get him to believe, and like he's like, the only way you're going to catch this killer is if you believe, um, and that kind of thing, and. And yeah, there's that one of my favorite scenes in the movie takes them to like these these old what's probably like super old rocks painted with like you know um, I don't know old timey <laughs> African yeah, like, graffiti with like yeah you know swirls and stuff on it, and that scene was like really beautiful, and he sort of like finally like explains what the dust devil is and gives him like the tools to to catch him, like he gives him this like weird little snaff um, that'll. If he puts it in front of him, it'll stop him. It'll it'll uh, yeah. keep him there. Um, and 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 a key part was you had to root him in place with the staff, but then you had to do something else. Yeah, it was like burning some him. sage root or something. Yeah. So and and specifically, it was specifically said, and it was specifically wasn't done at the yes. end of the mil- f- film. Yes, which was interesting <laughs> because not a whole lot, lot, not a whole lot of time was spent on the mistake or the whoopsie that it wasn't done properly. But certainly, it shows what happens when it wasn't done properly. You know, you saying that and pointing that out really helps me uh, get the get the end of the movie a little more. Um, mm. I noticed it, but I didn't pay attention to it really. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about it. Um, I read a little bit on the on Richard Stanley's original idea. So there's this, there is an aspect of of like a movie of like a serial killer movie being smushed in with with like a African shaman, you know, like otherworldly legend, evil character. Um, and guess what? It's because that's what really happened there was a serial killer literally killing people in that in the real city or town of bethany which a lot of this movie takes place in whoa and they couldn't find the killer and the locals started to blame it on uh, one of their old legends one of their old like you know uh mythic creatures oh my god so richard stanley kind of took that idea and and ran with it and like set it in uh you know far farther in the future or like a i guess it's not the future it's more of like um, just a post-apocalyptic, not, you know, doesn't feel like the future necessarily, but, um, but I thought that was cool. He like took this real thing, real life thing that kind of, that happened where they, they had a killer on the loose, but couldn't really solve it. Apparently they did, the police caught somebody, but the body didn't have a head, so they couldn't identify. <laughs> oh I don't gosh. know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I kind of want to read more into it because it sounds like a really interesting story, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that that kind of blew me away. Like this movie is so kind of wild. Like I never thought in a million years it was <laughs> based on something true to life. Aware, I kind of lose. Tr- I don't lose track, but I I think you know the execution of the storytelling, at least in the cut that we probably watched. We probably watched yeah. the eighty six minute cut. Um, it sounds like it was well over two hours uh, in the original cut, but you know a lot of. Uh, a lot of people had their hands in the honey pot and you know they <laughs> yeah. 
and they forced him to make some edits. But the Dust Devil was certainly a supernatural force. But I get confused in... Um, so it sounds like a dust, the Dust Devil was only willing to murder people who were definitely ready to die themselves. Like they had given up on life and th- yeah. and possibly ready to commit suicide, whether they didn't really realize that themselves yet, only because Wendy, the main character at, at a certain point, is ponder- pondering suicide in the bathtub, and then she becomes a target um, for a while anyway. Yeah. Um, but the the lady in the beginning that dies, uh, you know, it's it's to be interpreted that she was ready yeah. for the dust devil to take i kind of get caught caught up and confused in what the dust the dust devil's job is in terms of satiating his what he needs to do because it sounds like a a a sort of a a prisoner in a human body he's you know he's a deity trapped in a human form so he's he has to kill and perform rituals to escape that but also i guess maybe is he doing everybody a favor because everybody is sort of ready to die? They just don't know it or. Yeah. That's what, yeah. There, there is some strangeness there with like, is he, is he also playing like sort of a grim reaper character? Like, is he also sort of like a, a Santa Claus of death? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. And, and why, why do the, why do the souls have to be like lonely uh at their like is that just like a yeah i mean i don't know it's right and yet like you said yeah there there are probably two more cuts of this out there that are much longer and maybe the answers to these questions are in there um it didn't i think i was so caught up in the story and enjoying it that the it didn't bother me too much about having to assign a reason as to who he kills and um yeah, and I do want to say absolutely for me too. I it didn't yeah. bother me, but I, but I agree it was it was kind of weird like the logic there like but yeah I I kind of feel like that with any mystical <laughs> being in a movie like it's it's always like well why don't they just do this like why you know blah 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 yeah you know? the rules are uh, the rules yeah. are made to be broken right so yeah but but I did like the idea and usually I don't like this stuff like the idea of like him being a a monster like trapped in a human body and he's he has to go collect souls to like hopefully one day get get out of this world back into the spirit world where he belongs but i was really into it like i loved and i think i liked it because of the limitations like if they made this movie now there would be so much cgi you would have seen the spirit world and like where he came from and Mm -hmm. and like his like brothers and sisters evil uh, yeah. <laughs> spirits would have come and visited him or some shit but this was just it was this robert burke you know looking yep. like a, a handsome like mad max type character with bones on his jacket <laughs> like in this this crazy knife he used to like ritually like slice people up and like take their fingers and put them in his little pouch and his purse <laughs> mm-hmm. like he got it, it was like it was a weird sort of like serial killer smashed with a, a like African shamanism that was just like it was something I'd never seen before. It was yeah. really kind of it was fun, and and it, and it sort of had this um, I don't know this not to sound morbid or anything, but the 
like the first scene, the killing scene, yeah. the first victim, uh, you know, it had sort of this charisma or this gravitational pull to make it like almost not okay, but it's not okay, but it was yeah. certainly like out of our realm of understanding, right? I mean, yeah. there are people that believe in this, whether it's real, you know, whether that's real life or the people in this post-apocalyptic world believe in yeah. this, uh, you know, it's sort of like... Well, you know, it's proven already that he's not just a serial killer. He is uh, an entity. So, you know, whatever's happening is kind of like mystifying and I'm I'm here for it. This was, we don't want it to happen to us, but we're, we're here for the, I felt like I was there for the ride and I was ready to learn yeah. about whatever this thing was doing. The other aspect that I kind of found really interesting about the Dust Devil was that he was, that we, he was like a handsome guy that like... I mean, I think all the victims we saw were mostly women and he usually slept with them and like the women were like attracted to him. And it was like kind of this like weird thing where like they were encountering death, but sort of welcoming it and, mm -hmm. you know, and like literally having sex with this, like with this thing that represented their death. They didn't like explain it and make it part of like his ritual or anything, but it was just this thing that, you know, this ha that happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> that they were and like, yeah. And it was, it's almost like the ultimate form of invite right it's the ultimate form yeah. of like opening yourself up to somebody else so they were welcoming him yeah it, yeah, yeah. it to be with them you know it, it's like they're they're over whatever like they're ready for that next step whatever it was you know and involved like it's the ultimate form of expressionism when it comes to uh you know you're gonna have sex with somebody you're yeah. certainly like welcoming them into your personal space yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so yeah it was that he there was a, a male victim it was in that camper but they didn't show any of that mm. um i think was part of the issues with the cut but oh interesting um, you know they established that he was um you know a ritualistic killer with the first victim but then you know you don't get any more dust yeah. deviling until you know he, he spends a lot of time with wendy and it's sort of this weird relationship they have until the tides turn and he's you know ready to kill her or whatever but um there was a bit of symbolism that i didn't again maybe this is something in the cut but there's a big focus on on the dust devils was it his watch or his pocket watch he would always look at it and the hands were spinning super fast. Um, and the other thing with clock, did I, I don't know if I like hurt, hurt, misheard this in the dialogue, but was he also putting clocks inside of his victims? Like when the police found them, they found like clocks in them. That was talked about. And, yeah. um, and I feel, I feel like there was something there that I just wasn't getting like what that, that was supposed to mean. Um, Right. And that that was like the one thing that sort of like stood out to me is like, I don't I don't really get what he's trying to say with that stuff. Yeah, I, I uh, couldn't quite understand if it meant, you know, he's he is eternity, you know, until yeah. he gets off of this rock. He's always there. Um, I, I couldn't. Yeah, maybe, I, di I didn't understand either. And and yeah. the shaman, that's the one thing the shaman re never really voiced over <laughs> to tell us what what, he, what it was all about. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's something with his watch. Like if it if it stopped, he knew he was going to go back into the spirit world. Like he collected enough souls to be welcomed back or something. Like mm -hmm. so, he kept checking it. I don't know. I read some like negative reviews about the the one detective that was assigned to the case. But I really liked him. I really liked. Oh, yeah. that he was. Um, 
pursuant of whatever supernatural was happening, but, you know, he still had a murderer to catch. And, uh, you know, he was, he was us in a sense that we, um, he was discovering along the way how, it, how deep this mythology exactly went. And, you know, he interfaced with the crazy, you know, uh, shaman who, you know, is crazy to the whole town, but, you know, he yeah. certainly has beliefs that nobody else carried. So he has that knowledge too. And, uh, you know, he was, he was just like a victim of the sand, like everybody else. I mean, that, yeah. the whole showdown, the, the last arc, the last sequence where they basically come across like that town that's just overrun with sand. I really wanted that to be a real place. I don't know yeah. if it was, but it looked like there was enough buildings that it w used to be a town, but it just like nature reclaimed. Yeah, it looked like a real life, real life ghost town. I mean, I've I've seen places like that out west, um, like in Death Valley and stuff, and it totally wow. it looked real. Like it looked like it could have been just a ghost town that they yeah. they shot in because it was it looked amazing. It it was amazing. But it also looked like it looked like such a recent ghost town because the buildings looked like kind of modern, like it was like a, mm -hmm. and it could have been, I also, I mean, it, this, it could have been like a, a subject of war because I also learned, I didn't know this about Namibia, but it, I think it used to be part of South Africa and it had recently won its independence in 1990. So, oh my gosh, two, just two years before they made this. So, um, so it could have been like war torn, you know, a town that got destroyed yeah. and the sand was reclaiming it. Um, that, exp that explains that bar scene where the locals like give the husband a lot of shit for being South African and they beat the yeah, shit out of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I wish I was more culturally aware of, uh, of that part of the world because I bet there was a lot. There was a lot of stuff that I wasn't getting necessarily, especially I, when it came to like the locals interacting and everyone's relationships. And, and there were some, they, I think someone mentioned the war in some line of dialogue, the detective who's played, by, I'm not going to be able to say his name, Zakis Moke. He was great. I love the idea of his character. And you're right. He's like, he's like our, um, uh, from Jaws. He's like our chief Brody in this. Um, but he's like a sadder chief Brody because like he talks about, he like lost his wife 15 years ago. He's basically, he basically like, it seems like he has no family. And also like the town that he's a police officer for is just like, you know, running out of water. And William Hootkins, who I think was the only other cop, like there's a scene of him just packing his family into a car. They're just leaving. And he's like the last cop. That was like Salem's lot right there. I was just yeah. like, they're leaving right now. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I didn't even, I thought they were like going on a trip, but, uh, but I was like, oh no, wait, this is like, like, this is like the end of the world stuff. Like they're, they're getting out of here. Like, cause the, <laughs> yeah. the town's running out of water. There's nothing left here. Yeah. But I love the idea of him. Like, he's like, fuck it, I'm still going to be, <laughs> like, I'm the last cop here, and there's somebody killing people. I'm, you know, what else am I going to do? I'm going to fucking hunt this guy down. I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, me too. He still had a got. he still had a job to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's what he is. That's, that's, he's, you know, he's a cop. That's his job. Like, he, he doesn't know what else to do. He's got nothing else to live for. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, he's like the dust devil. He's got to keep moving or he dies. Mm hmm. So, um, yeah. And so, so what the dust devil does, I mean, he, uh, he pursues Wendy after they, they have their intimacy, they share this intimacy together, but then, uh, she realizes that he's there 
for her. And I think she realizes in herself at that point that she wants to live and she wants to continue on. Um, yeah. That was kind of like the ultimate, you know, even more so than the wrist, the, the razor to her wrist in the bathtub. You know, it's yeah. this dust devil that's right now actively trying to kill her, I think made her realize that, um, which I liked because, uh, you know, I'm interrupting myself, but I think she realized that she wanted to live even if it didn't include her husband who was pursuing her the whole movie. I like yeah. that he wasn't the knight in shining armor and he was wasn't. Awesome. Yeah. Like I think she truly was just trying to, um, you know, she left him and she was trying to figure out what she wanted. And I think ultimately before she succumbed, she was, she realized that she wanted her independence and she wanted to live and see what else was out there. That's the feeling I yeah. got. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the bigger picture of her, going to the ocean to look, stare at that canyon like she just she was searching for herself and yeah like, who she was in this world and plus giving obviously to, giving herself over to robert burke um yeah you know was maybe some of that exploration as well you know she wanted to uh so she wanted to uh live after that i believe and uh so it's her and the the cop um versus the dust devil in the in the sort of final showdown and yeah um he is you know the dust devil is a deity, so he's not going to be stopped. The cop musters enough energy to stick that, um, that like rod out. That's yeah. that like shamanistic stick sticks it out in front of the dust devil's feet. And you know, the dust devil's rooted there. He can't move. Yeah. Which loved is, it. Which is, which is so cool. It's just, I it's not it. like, it's not this pomp and circumstance and this, all these effects. He just sticks yeah. this wooden rod that's infused with, you know, the shaman's like belief that something is going to root this thing in place. He just sticks it out in front of him and, and he stops yeah. in his tracks. Yeah. He's, and it's not even like, like they don't even like do a shot of the, of dust devil, like trying to like, he's not like struggling, like trying to walk. Like he's just like, you looks at and he's like oh fuck <laughs> yeah he's, he's fucked yeah, he's like oh shit yeah yeah then just wendy just absolutely blows his head off like tom savini style oh that's right best shot in the movie yeah it was good i mean that that eclipsed the canyon shot but holy <laughs> crap i was not prepared for this mm-hmm. ex- head explosion <laughs> oh <Yeah>. mama <laughs> oh yeah and then the slow motion afterwards after the head's gone but it lingers oh, on the meaty yes. neck so good <laughs> Um, yeah. And, uh, but that's not quite the end of it. Um, and possibly because, uh, Ben, the, the, uh, the cop didn't do the, uh, burning of the root mm-hmm. after he stopped the dust devil on his track. Um, we watch Wendy afterwards in her torn tattered dress. She walks up to a road, which mirrors the opening shot of the movie. Um, where we saw the dust devil walk up to a road, go to the middle line, lay down, and put his ear to the to the ground to listen for cars coming. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's like oh shit! Like the dust devil transferred because she killed him. Uh, it transferred right into her, and now she is uh, taken on. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, spirit of the dust devil, and now she's cursed to walk the earth, killing people. Mm. <laughs> and that was pretty. Uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved yeah. that ending. I thought it was good. I really loved it too. And it just, you know, to, to think about what could come after that, because now this cop's not on the case anymore. 
Uh, there's one there's one to two less people pursuing the, the dust devil you know mm-hmm. it's just like as ti- tale as old as time he's he's been out there since the beginning in different forms so i you know i just think he keeps evading it's it's a a, a great story and i loved how it ended man it was just like so yeah. ill-fated it was ill-fated i was really pleased with this i want to watch uh, a beautiful fresh scan of this though because <laughs> mm. it felt like i felt like i was fighting the the uh the format i was watching because it, it is such a beautiful movie and i i just want to see a nice clean version of it so wendy is married to scott bacula do you know that <laughs> that's amazing yeah yeah she's still active right she's on like ncis now yeah it looks like it yeah i thought she was great she had such a cool look i loved her like she had this wrinkle in her brow mm-hmm. um, that just gave her a lot of character. I thought she was really fantastic in this. The whole second half when she's wearing like that purple dress. Yeah. That was such a great look, man. Yeah. It was like this oh, yeah. tight corset kind of dress, but it was like a uniform for her. It was it, yeah. it was fantastic costuming. That was the other thing we didn't talk about, like where this movie got extra dusty was those scenes of her wandering through the sand dunes. Like, Oh, man. Uh-oh. Yeah being uh i guess pursued by the dust devil but oh man yeah i because i you know i've been to death i've done some camping in death valley and it's like like i've been there and it is it is harsh man Damn, <laughs> like that's hardcore. being on like sand walking around on sand dunes and just being in that weather and that environment it's scary because like like if you don't not prepared with water it's like you understand why wow. people succumb like really quickly out here wow um yeah and yeah gosh to make a movie out there it's such a powerful thing um to translate onto the screen wow um yeah this is a win yeah chuck i agree it was it was a a huge win for me as well so i was so pleasantly surprised because i didn't know anything about this movie i just picked it based on a documentary i watched about another movie so i'm really uh it's really cool to like see that they fervor and love for Richard Stanley. No wonder it got him hired for the Island of Doctor Moreau. Whatever may have came from mm-hmm. that, or what what um, came from that. Um, one of our one of our users in Discord, Remnant Core. Uh, we have a Discord uh, channel, Discord server. So if you check out batandspider.com, you can get the details for that. But um, Dust Devil has a head explosion almost as good as the Prowlers. I kind of wish this got the full two-hour release, but the African cops acting was so bored slash flat. Super glad you guys <laughs> chose this. Wouldn't have watched it probably for years or even thought of it. So um, I could see why Revenant Corps would, would think that. I, I Like we said, we we liked the uh, the cop, but yeah. he, he had... And he carried a lot of the movie because he was... He was us, and he has, you know, he had to do a lot of mm-hmm. information, inver- interfacing and translating for us to, like, to kind of, like, um, you know, get that mythology across to us so we could understand what the hell was going on, you know? Yeah. And he had a thick accent, so I, w- I wonder if that was maybe, uh, you know, I could see someone taking yeah. that accent as maybe bored, but. And uh, also, there's a... a Friend of the show and Discord user Pop Fenton on Letterboxd um, says, Richard Stanley's command of visual storytelling and atmosphere on this make it all the more disappointing that he withdrew from feature-length projects from 96 until his recent adaptation of Color Out of Space. Chelsea Field and Robert John Burke both delivered good performances 
Enjoy the nar- enjoyed that the narrative and mythos is at the forefront of the movie with the horror there to support it. So they watched along with us, Chuck. That's awesome. I love when people watch along. Yeah. Especially these ones that are, it was easy to rent, but. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was easy to rent, but what, like, who would want to watch Dust, right? Who would want to rent Dust Devil? You know what I yeah, mean? It's, it's like, got, like, terrible, like, it's got terrible posters online. Like, it's like yeah. the art, you, you, like, scroll across, it looks like some garbage movie. It's <laughs> like, there's no way in hell I'm ever going to spend money yeah. to rent this, you know? It's 29% <laughs> it's, fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like. It's it doesn't have a chance, but it's it's a good movie, and yeah. I think a lot of people should watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks cool. for watching along with us. Do we have any uh, listener feedback, Dale? Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. We do this week. If you, dear listeners, would like to submit your own feedback to the show, you can do that by emailing us at batandspiderpod at gmail you could send your letters. You could send your voice memos. You can put us in your zine, like listener Corey. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> How about those pictures of uh, uh, his 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 uh, portraits of us? I don't oh, think man. I've ever been more excited ever. <laughs> and he, we got a Metalorca. I got it sitting in my at my desk right now. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Corey's the real deal. He's this is a real uh, handmade zine. Like he's. Printing out the text and printing out all the pictures and hand cutting them and pasting them out. I imagine he's going to take it right to a photocopier, just like the old days. Like he used to make scenes. Oh my gosh. No computers for uh, old Corey. Flipping amazing. He's doing it upright. Yeah. And don't forget, you can call the Bat and Spider hotline at 315 544 0966. This week, Question mark says friend of the show, TJ Hamilton, dear effing God, a week of waiting for election results. And my 17 year old dog had to have emergency surgery on top of that. Laying in a semi comatose state. I listened to the uplifting, soothing sounds of Chuck and Dale's voices as they talked about demons. I'll definitely give that movie a look after I collect myself. Election, (laughs) Election and dog surgery both turned out okay. Cheers, Tim. Glad your doggy's doing okay. Yeah, it's been, I think it's been a long week for everybody uh, with the uh, the election and all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think we're all relieved to uh, have it over and results in. <laughs> yeah, we can all, <laughs> yeah, we can call it just get by now. Yeah. Breathe yeah. a little easier. Br- breathe a little bit. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, you should check out if you have an hour, two, two, Two hours and fifteen minutes to watch Demons. It's well worth the the watch. I know. I know it's a commitment, but it is a really good movie. Yeah, it really is. It's funny. I remember before talking to Chuck about it. I, you know, I was just in a letterbox terms. I was probably like a three and a half star. But after talking to Chuck through it, you know, he helped me through. I mean, it's a really good movie. Demons is really, really good. It it's way better than than I I ever expected. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, there's a lot going on there. It's really great. Yeah. That's the magic of this show, too. I have that same experience um, talking through movies with you where I, I get such a richer, deeper um, understanding mm-hmm. of what's going on in these movies. That, you know, it's great. It's really great. Next up is uh, Severin Cox. Hi, Severin. 
Hello, Chuck and Dale. I have a random question I thought of earlier today. What is your favorite horror movie release company? Examples are Full Moon, Troma, Hammer Horror, Blumhouse, IFC Pictures, and A24. Hmm. Interesting question. This is like, I feel like I'm 11 years old. Uh, so my friend asked me if I like Marvel or DC. Yeah, choosing better. choosing a side. Which team are you on? Choose your allegiance, Chuck. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't, I try, I don't, I don't think of this too much in terms of movies. Like, I feel like there's less, there's not much of a house style, but there definitely was in the sixties and seventies with something like hammer. So, I mean, that's my easy pick. I'm picking hammer. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I love them. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they're like, yeah, like you can really see a clear style of what of the type of movies they were coming out with so that that works for me and i guess modern like you know i guess blumhouse does have a type that they do i think they have outliers where they, they'll let a director go crazy but i guess they do kind of have a sort of a a, a recipe um yeah and i don't really yeah i don't I, I find myself not connecting with a lot of their movies um mm-hmm. yeah same yeah but i don't know do you have any like studios that stand out for you yeah yeah you know it's funny i i'm with you chuck i would choose hammer um because god damn if they aren't amazing at everything i watch <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm just all about it and uh to be honest you know like full moon the only the only Whoa. studio when i was growing up i would have ever paid attention to would have been trauma like i'd know yeah. a trauma release but in terms of like studios, I, you know, I'm only in the last, you know, in the, in the last years of my life, have I really paid attention to that and, you know, what that these companies are pumping out. But Full Moon was, you know, huge for me back in the day, I guess, looking back, I didn't even think of them <laughs> as Full Moon at the time, but, yeah. um, the band brothers, right? Charles Band. Charles Band, yeah. Yeah, I would say Hammer, but you know, a Blumhouse, yeah, I don't really like I and plus I haven't seen a whole lot of anything. Like A24 is pretty new, Blumhouse is pretty new and uh, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of modern horror just because it's uh like you said there's that yeah. recipe there and and you know f- for like the Blumhouse stuff, I'm not the recipe is not a recipe that I try to, you know, jive with. So, yeah. I feel like I'm very I'm skeptical a little bit of modern horror movies. Um, it it takes it takes some convincing usually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get right. me to watch something right. for some reason. Um, I don't know. I think I just I think I'm more comfortable with the past. Like I love I love uh, diving into different eras, and I don't know. There, you know, but you know, there's always exceptions to that. You know, sure. I I, I really want to watch the Cronenberg's kids movie, The Possession. Not kids movie, but his uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, offspring of David Cronenberg. His son made a movie that just came out, Possession, which I do want to check out. Um, but yeah, yeah. Especially with movie, like with theaters closed, I probably would be watching a lot more modern horror because um, I love I love going to the movies, but yeah. um, that's not in the picture right now. So um, I'm enjoying, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying watching Hammer <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah, Hammer, Hammer all day. But yeah, that's a that's a fun question. What do you, what what about our listeners? Do you guys have any favorite? Uh, I mean, are there any full moon 
I mean, maybe Severin is a full moon. I know one of one of our listeners is like a huge Puppet Master fan, which is a yeah. full moon franchise. Yeah, is that Severin? I think he's like blowing through yeah. that trunk box set that came to loose yeah. his trunk. I think last year I tried to do a watch all the puppet master movies i think i only got like too deep and i couldn't i couldn't go any further <laughs> you elitist Chuck. i know i know of all people yeah i don't know i think i'm allergic to full moon i i just it's too i don't know i just don't know <laughs> but maybe we should pick a full moon make my make me watch another one yeah do it maybe the listeners have to uh pick that one because i don't even know if i got any yeah either. evil they're gonna make us um, They're gonna make us watch Evil Bong. Isn't that one of them? <laughs> yeah, yes. Maybe just that's the one we need to watch. To get over ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we'll love it. There's a there's a high chance we'll love it. <laughs> All right. We got a special voicemail in. I have to play. Oh, hello. Hey there, Chuck. Hey there, Dale. Ooh, it's Tim. your old pal. Just want to say real quick how much I appreciate all the work you've done with these podcasts over the last few months. Been a real treat every time. Wish I could contribute more with some voicemails. So I thought I would leave one today. Let's talk about Dust Devil. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. If I recall correctly, somewhere in there, a man seduces a woman with a harmonica. Something never done before in recorded history. He wears that big hat with the long duster. Suddenly the wheels in my head started turning. Is this movie the inspiration to the 90s band Blues Traveler? (laughs) The last thing I'll say about this movie, and it's more of a question. It's why the fuck aren't we watching Hardware instead? I love you. Bye. Wow. Oh my word, Tim. Tim. I had a feeling we'd be hearing from Tim. He's a he's a big Richard Stanley fan. Yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's been on my A for years to watch more Richard Stanley. Wow, yeah. Tim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting on his A. Yeah. That's funny. He I don't remember the harmonica, but uh I did read that uh Stanley was uh Part of this movie was influenced by um, Once Upon a Time in the West, the uh, Sergio Leone movie. Have you ever seen that one with um, Charles Bronson? And he's he's constantly playing the harmonica. It's probably my favorite one of the, the spaghetti westerns. It's a good one. It's long, though. I do um, remember that this was after they uh, they parked at the ocean's edge and uh, they're staying in that, like, that trailer park down in the valley. And he starts playing yeah. the harmonica at the table. Um, yes, he's, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. he's, he's playing the old mouth harp there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that song he played, I, I, that's, if I'm remembering right, that's from uh, hardware and it, it features prominently in hardware. <laughs> Hardware's a trip, Dale. You, I know you wanted to pick that movie yeah. for this episode, but I had, I had seen it already. Um, right. And we try and pick things that are virgin to both of us, but you should check it out. It's, it's a, it's a wild movie. It, it's, again, it's like. It's like Stanley, it's him with a lower budget, but creating a world that is just unbelievable uh, with what he had, <laughs> with the budget he had. It's it's crazy, the stuff he created. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like every everything in that, like 
like the way he used the environment to create a world in this in dust devil in hardware he literally creates a world with just like garbage um wow. just all around him wow it's pretty it's pretty cool that's awesome um yeah, yeah i did uh, even while we mauled over even when when i mauled over doing a richard stanley movie hardware i wanted to do hardware and you saw it but also it looked like it wasn't available anywhere um oh, i didn't yeah, check youtube but you know it wasn't available on any of the streaming platforms to rent or buy so and dust devil was though but it was cool that tim knows all about it i mean he's a big movie guy so that's awesome tim thanks for the voicemail thank you timbo we love you love you any more uh, messages for us uh no that's it chuck so oh okay that's it baby all right well is it my turn it's my turn right to pick a movie it's your turn to pick next episode's movie i came prepared um so earlier this year i watched my first show kasuji movie who is a uh he's a martial arts action star uh that was around in like the 80s um and there's another movie by the same director starring show kasuji that i would like to enter into our ring it is called rage of honor from 1987 directed by gordon hessler a Japanese cop, Shiro, and his partner, Ray, are after a bunch of drug dealers, but they are betrayed by an insider and Ray is killed. Shiro follows the murder, a sadistic drug lord, up to Singapore. And that's where the description ends. But uh, but these, you'll, yeah, man, if this is anything like Pray for Death, which is the movie I watched uh, a few months ago, I am very excited. And and I don't... Have we done a martial arts movie, Dale, yet on this show? No. No, we have not. It's high time Ooh. we do some good Ooh. garbage martial arts then. Heck yeah. So we're going to watch Rage of Honor. Um, th- it looks like it's only available to rent on Amazon. So if you want to watch along, you got to shell out like four bucks to rent it. Uh, but there is a... There's an Arrow DVD, which I might... Depending on how oh, I'm feeling with my Chuck. wallet, I might order one. Who knows? <laughs> You're getting a little itchy. I can tell. <laughs> my itchy, itchy tr- tr- trigger fingers. You know, itchy. arrow is qu- quality. Uh, next week, dive into the world of show Kasuji with us and um, enjoy some uh, martial arts action. Great. This is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. All right, then. Until, um, until next episode, Chuck and everybody out there thank you for listening along we'll talk to you soon love you love you guys this is what you want this is what you get this is what you want this is what you get this is what you want this is what you get this is what you want i might loop that at the end of the theme song was created by toby forsman of whipsong music find out more at whipsongmusic.com